Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Presbyterian Church in Owasso, Oklahoma. Our passion is to show that grace changes everything in Jesus Christ by equipping you to rest in worship, grow in community, and rediscover your calling. To join our body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at trinityowasso.com. One of the realities of the human condition is our ability to become familiar with things, so familiar with things that we actually stop even noticing them. So an example for me um, is how many times have you driven somewhere and not noticed anything because it's such a familiar route? Uh, You've driven from point A to point B. It's so familiar that by the time you get to point B, you think, did I just drive? I don't even remember just what, what just happened there. I'm in my driveway and there I am. Those of us with older homes, like I have in Dallas, those of us with older homes, sometimes when we go on vacation, we come home and we realize, oh, my house has an older home smell. I forgot about that. I didn't realize that because I live in it every day. And we have those, those pieces of decor in our home, right, that we love, that we bought, we wanted to place in a specific location, and we don't even see them anymore in reality. And I know there's, most of the kids have left, but for the kids in the room, or maybe the dad's in the room with their toy, I'm not sure, um, but we all have received, we've gotten a toy that we've been so excited about before, after we play with it for a little while, it just becomes not so fun anymore. And so for the little things in our lives, being familiar with something and not appreciating it is not that big of a deal. But for the big things in our lives, it's a big deal. And we need to make sure that we are working against that tendency in our human nature. So as the war in Ukraine drags on, I can promise you it will become more familiar and we will stop paying attention. Here's a hard one. How about our spouses? Do we notice them? Do we appreciate them? Or have they become too familiar? And the same is true in our spiritual lives. Um, Have we stopped noticing the glory and the majesty of God? One of the privileges I have with MTW is the opportunity to meet with churches and to meet with pastors to get to know them better. And one of the questions I always ask them is, tell me about the name of your church, because there's always a history there, because it tells me a lot. And this question is always so interesting to watch it unfold, because there's always rich stories that come out. And, And many times, they're painful stories. Many times, they're excited stories. But there's always a story behind the name of a church. And it's interesting to watch churches reflect and remember these things as um, they realize that some of what is a part of them in their history has become all too familiar. And so I want to ask Trinity, when was the last time you reflected on your name and its meaning? This morning, I am praying that God would elevate missions in our heart. That's my hope. That's my prayer. And I don't want to do that by asking you to look at the people around you. I don't want you to look at eye level today. What I want us to do today is to look up and to gaze at the majesty and the glory of God. I want, I hope, to connect 
the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, to Trinity in Owasso. That's my hope. And so as we look at our passage, let me read it again. And Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, Jesus speaking, I am sending you, the disciples, and by extension, the church. And with that, Jesus breathed on them, the disciples, and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Right here in these verses, we have the Trinity before us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We have a glimpse into the very nature of who God is. He is one. He is triune. He is Father. He is Son. He is Holy Spirit. St. Augustine said about this specific passage that it's a critical text for understanding the doctrine of the Trinity. We see all three persons of the Godhead working together. And here's what our confession says about the Trinity. In the unity of the Godhead, there are three persons of one substance, power and eternity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One more quote by Wayne Grudem. The different function that we see the Father, Son, and Spirit performing are simply outworkings of an eternal relationship between the, between the three persons, one that has always existed and will exist for eternity. For God has always existed as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These distinctions are essential to the very nature of God himself, and they could not be otherwise. So how can we make sense of a triune God? Well, I can not really make complete sense of it. The fact is that God is not limited to our cognitive capacity. In Exodus chapter 3, we see Moses ask, what should we call you? And his response is, I am. I am who I am. Gresham Meckham says this about the doctrine of the Trinity. It is a mystery. No human mind can fathom it, yet with a blessed, yet what a blessed mystery it is. The Christian's heart melts within him in gratitude and joy when he thinks of the divine love and condescension that has thus lifted the veil and allowed us, sinful people, sinful creatures, to look into the very depths of the being of God. This is who he is. This is his nature. He is the Trinity. And this is the namesake of your church. But our focus this morning is not the doctrine of the Trinity, okay? We're not gonna focus on the doctrine of the Trinity as a whole. I wanna make a specific connection between the role of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and missions and its implications on you right here at Trinity in Owasso. So let's take this phrase, as the Father sent me, from John chapter 20. So I've heard hundreds of missions talks over the years, and the great majority of them are kind of these emotive appeals focused on essentially the spiritual 
and the emotional and the physical needs of others. And don't get me wrong, I'll give an emotive appeal every once in a while, especially if it gives me the opportunity to have a longer conversation with someone about missions. Now, the reality is the majority of our um, missions talks that we hear in churches are usually only about three minutes, and that would be one reason why sometimes we don't get to, to get, get ourselves the ability to get to the depths of and the richness of what the scriptures say about God's mission in the world. And so, and honestly, as we train our missionaries, it's kind of funny. Sometimes I wonder, are we going to give them some type of anxiety problem because we tell them three minutes, three minutes, you got to get it down to three minutes because that's all you have. That's the only time you have. And so, honestly, it's a privilege to have a little bit more time to talk about this today. So, this idea of the Father sending the Son. Okay, it illuminates a reality that missions is rooted in something far more substantive and far more eternal than we normally hear when we hear someone talk about the mission of God and our call into missions. Brothers and sisters, the genesis of missions is found in the very nature of God. And we might be tempted to think that missions is solely based on God's sovereign and loving actions towards a sinful and a rebellious people, and it most certainly is that, absolutely, but that's not all it is. There's an even earlier, there's an earlier starting place for understanding missions, and it's in God's very character and and nature who he is. Missions starts with God. Missions is God's story. Missions is about God. The subject, the main character, the author of missions is God, even above the people he rescues from sin and death. And that's exactly why your missions committee has decided on Psalm 96 as the theme. Listen to this. It's verse 3 in Psalm 96. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples, because missions is God-centered. It originates in God. It flows out from God. Its impetus is in God. It's, It's about God's concern for all of his creation, and it moves towards God's sovereign, destined, eternal ends, all for his glory. That is what missions is all about. Christopher Wright says, our mission if it is biblically informed and validated, means our committed participation in as God's people at God's invitation and command. In God's own mission within the history of God's world for the redemption of God's creation. This unified story that we see in the Bible is a glimpse, that we see unfold in the Bible is a glimpse of precisely who God is, and it unfolds the way that it unfolds on purpose. And so who is God? He is Trinity. He is triune. And how does God go about, if that's who he is, how does he go about this mission that is rooted in him? How does he do that? He sends himself. Specifically, God the Father sends the Son Then God the Father and the Son send the Spirit. 
Our understanding of missions begins with our understanding of who God is. Long before we, as his people, were ever sent, our triune God planned the sending of the Son and the Spirit. Okay, so here's a quote that will probably, it blew me away the first time I read it. It's by David Bosch. It's a little bit long. It's a longer quote than you're supposed to give when you preach, but I'm going to do it anyways, okay? Here's what he says. Until the 16th century, the term mission was used exclusively with reference to the doctrine of the Trinity. That is the sending of the Son by the Father and of the Holy Spirit by the Father and the Son. He goes on to say, mission was understood as being derived from the very nature of God. It was thus in the context of the doctrine of the Trinity, listen to this, not the doctrine of the church or the doctrine of salvation. The classic doctrine on the Missio Dei, Latin for the mission of God, as God the Father sending the Son and God the Father and the Son sending the Holy Spirit was then expanded to include yet another movement, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit then sending the church into the world. That's incredible to think that that's how we have thought about the idea of mission, that even in the early church, it started with the doctrine of the Trinity. So the sending of the disciples, as we see in John chapter 20, is actually initiated by God the Father. That's why Jesus says, as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. And, and, and this is not the only time that Jesus will say this. In John chapter 17, 18, he says, as you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. And so the sending of the disciples is secondary in both importance and chronology to the work that Christ was sent to accomplish first. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has overcome the world. We aren't sent to overcome the world. He has overcome the world. The disciples are sent to be a witness. We are sent to be a witness to what Christ has done. Jesus has raised from the dead, and we're sent to be a witness to what Jesus has done, having been sent by the Father to accomplish these things. God in Christ is sent to establish God's kingdom on earth. Matthew 24, 14 says, and this gospel will be preached as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. That connection, all of history is connected to and for the purpose of God extending and, and, his, and his, the, the story of his kingdom being named and known among all the nations. That is the story. So the joy of, for us of being sent witnesses to the work of Christ is actually impossible without first our sinless Savior's obedience to the Father to be sent first. And we also have in John chapter 20 this statement, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. We also see that the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit. John chapter 15, 16, listen to this. 
But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And so God in the Spirit is sent with and before the disciples. The Spirit teaches the disciples. He teaches us and he reminds us of all that Jesus said and did. John 14, 26. I am so incredibly comforted. I don't know about you, but the ministry of the Holy Spirit to remind me of what Jesus has said and done. Because as we, read, as we sung earlier, my heart is so prone to wonder and to be confused but Christ, but the Spirit bears witness to Christ. He bears witness to Christ before us, and thus that empowers us to be his witnesses. John 15, 26 through 27, Acts chapter 1 as well. And listen to this. It is the Holy Spirit, according to John 16, 8, who convicts the world. I love this quote by Dr. Albert Shim about this particular text. He says, in context... The giving of the Spirit previews the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost in Acts 2. That the giving of the Spirit is narrated with the very particular detail and action of Jesus' breath. Recalls Genesis 2-7 where God breathes life into Adam. And he goes on to say, and perhaps Genesis 1 and 2, where the Spirit of God hovers over the waters. And listen to this. Some suggest that the breathing upon the disciples represents the new creation, resurrection community that is marked by the presence of the Spirit. And so he says, this is how I am sending you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. We see here that the Father and the Son and the Spirit sends his people, the church. And what I long to see is for the church to make a better connection between the Holy Spirit and the mission of God because we sometimes will limit the Holy Spirit's role to illumination and sanctification and ah, such incredibly important ministries of the Spirit. But we saw earlier there's a direct correlation in John 15, 26 between the sending of the Spirit and God's mission because it, he says he will bear witness, and we didn't read this verse, but it says, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And so we so often envision our being sent. And here's, here's something I want to take away from us. We so often envision being sent on mission as some form of like separation, you know. We imagine a missionary going and being alone and by themselves and they don't have any relationship, they don't have any connectedness, they're apart from the rest of the group. And so we think that our mission is something that we go out and do kind of by ourselves as individuals. But brothers and sisters, that is not the nature of who God is. The Trinity is in eternal fellowship. We all know about the famous verse, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. I want us to remember as we as we look at as we've looked at the scriptures today and just to recognize that such a famous verse that we call the Great Commission is not unique. This idea of being sent is not unique. It's not the first time. It's not in isolation. It's not new. 
Jesus did say, go and make disciples, but before he said go, he said these things. I will be with you. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. He said that he would send to us a helper in the Holy Spirit. So those of us who are in Christ, if we are in Christ, we find ourselves caught up, a part of this sending fellowship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And on top of that, we are not sent as individuals. We are sent as a fellowship with one another, as a community, as a people, as a priesthood in Christ. It's so cool to know that God is not that coach who, when he tells you to go run, he just rides next to you on a golf course. He's been sent too. He understands and he is with us. In fact, not only does God go go with us, he actually goes before us. And this is always the order of the Bible. I encourage you to go read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where it talks about us receiving the gospel. Why do we go on missions? Why are we ambassadors? What's the purpose? What's the motivation? Why do we do it? And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it is very clear that that is because we are compelled by the love of Christ. We are compelled by the gospel ourselves. We are compelled by the fact that Jesus and the Spirit have been sent before us. And it's on that basis and that foundation, that eternal foundation that will not break, that will not fail, that we go as sent ones to the world. And let us remember what the Spirit is doing in all of us. The Spirit is making us like Christ. And who is Christ? Christ is the one sent. So our commission, our sending is linked to our union with Christ. It's not just that we need the Spirit to empower our witness. When we just kind of happen to go, it's that if we have the Spirit, we will go. And so the order The order is important. It's always important. God the Spirit goes first. And in this way, the church is invited into God's mission. Never the other way around. I love how Leslie Newbigin says it. He says, missions is not just something that the church does. It is something that done by the Spirit, who is himself the witness who changes both the world and the church, who always goes before the church in its missionary journey. The church's witness is secondary and derivative. The church is witness insofar as it follows obediently where the Spirit leads. God is on mission. He has been on mission. He will be on mission for the sake of his creation. And for all the nations, every tribe, every tongue, every people group, God sends and we follow. The presence of the Holy Spirit in the Christian life and in the life of the church is is the indwelling presence of this living, sent, missionary God and the risen Christ. I want us to think about this for a second, all of what we talked about. How could this impact our evangelism? 
knowing that we are ushered into this eternal um, movement that God is doing, that he's gone before us to do, could that, should that take away the fear in sharing our faith? So people much smarter than me have come up with these two words, imperative and indicative. All right, so imperative are commands to be Simply, you, you obey them. You're told to do them. You, you obey the imperative. Kids, that's, that's your job. But mission, missions is, is, is imperative, absolutely, but it's also indicative, which means that who God is and then, therefore, who we are, that's what defines our mission. As God's people united in Christ and dwelt by the Spirit, we are missionaries. We are witnesses. We are a community as our triune God is a missionary God. We are sent people just as God is ascending God. And so in conclusion, what does this have to do with Trinity in Owasso and missions? Hear this. It's not just that you are supposed to be witnesses, you are. It's that you already are witnesses. That is your identity if you are in Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, fellow heirs, I just want to be a little bit real with us today since it is Mission Sunday. I get to be, I get to be a little bit real as I apply this. So today is your first ever missions conference. I hope that continuing from this day, that you will continue to view missions as less and less about as icing on the cake. Because isn't that how we think about missions oftentimes in our lives? It's icing on the cake or uh, y'all aren't Texans, but gravy on the chicken fried steak, okay? All right? That's how we think about missions. We sort of add it on to our lives. But here's what I want to say. Missions is baked into the cake. You can't have a bite of our faith of the Bible without tasting missions. It's there. It's part of everything. It's unavoidable. It's baked into the cake. And so for those of us who have said that missions is not my thing, I've heard that many times over the years, I want us to look to our triune God, who honestly, brothers and sisters, praise be to him, never said missions is not my thing. Before we even rebelled in the garden, the Trinity decided and planned to send the Son on our behalf. And so if we think that our missions engagement is tied somehow to our time and capacity, or honestly this happens a lot too, we don't feel like we're good enough, we don't feel like we have it put together enough, I want us to lift up our eyes and look to this Savior. I want us to lift our eyes and look and know the freedom that he bought us with his blood, you are no longer enslaved to time. You are no longer enslaved to perfection. It is finished. You're his. You're his witness. It's not 
becoming true, it is true. And as we move to a challenge to specifically consider global missions, I want to make something super clear. This always needs to be clear. Becoming a global missionary is not superior. It's not a superior calling. It's one of many thousands upon thousands of callings that, the God, that God's people have. But here's what I'll say after I say that. If you've never even considered it, just once, I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you in light of all we heard. Are you sure? In light of who we are as sent ones, because we are in Christ, why not? Why not you? And as your conference theme says, um, (laughs) the Lord our God loves the nations, the peoples of the earth. He's their creator. And we know in Revelation 7 that the nations will all declare his glory. We know that we all will gather to sit at his feet and to worship him, every tribe, tongue, and nation. But still today, there are over 3,000 unreached people groups, meaning people who have essentially unreached and unengaged, meaning they have no access to the gospel. 80% of Muslims and Hindus do not know a Christian. And so I ask, as, as Paul does, how can they hear unless someone tells them? And I pray, as Jesus does, the harvest is plentiful, but here's the problem, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to what? To send out laborers into the harvest. And so today, if you are just 1% interested, you do not have to be 99% interested, 50% interested. If you are just 1% interested in talking about serving God internationally, talk to Katie, talk to James, talk to Blake, talk to an elder. I'm happy to talk to you as well because guess who could be calling you? The Trinity could be calling you. And so we often say in our reform reform circles that Christ is on every page of the Bible, and he is. And as Christ, as the one sent from God, that means that missions is found on every page of the Bible. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Trinity, please visit our website at trinityowasso.com.